All right, so this is WWDC 19, and this is my second year attending the Worldwide Developer Conference with Apple. My name is Kushal Ashok, and this is the second time I'm at the Apple's podcast studio finding people to talk about the conference right at the conference. So let's start with the introductions. To my left is Austin Tooley from Texas. Yep, I'm Austin Tooley. I live in uh, San Antonio. I work in the financial industry. I'm an iOS developer, and I kind of do some stuff on the side on my own, working on a podcast app and a, a few other small little apps. To his left is Aaron Chung from Hong Kong. Right. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm a scholarship winner this year, and this is my first time coming here to the DC. And next is Yaron Karasik from Israel. Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're a two-man two uh, startup from Tel Aviv, Israel. We work on apps for video, for social media. Uh, we have disco videos and story wave. Uh, we've been around for about a year and a half. My third time with DubDub. It's been amazing. Okay, so uh, let's start with the keynote. What do you guys think of the keynote? Um, let's start with you, Iran. The Swift UI, mm -hmm. and it's amazing because, um, like, just few short uh, sentences, and then we can do lots of things already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that will be your favorite, huh? Yeah. Okay. How about you guys? What do you guys think? Oh man, so I had the opportunity to attend last year and just in comparison, this keynote was packed. I mean, there was a lot of great stuff last year, but this year was just overwhelming with the amount of stuff that they covered in the keynote and they were just flying through the whole presentation. They barely touched on a lot of really big features and there were some that they just completely left out that they then barely touched in the State of the Union because there was just so much stuff to cover. It's been hard for me to keep track of and remember everything. I've started making a list of all the things I've been interested in. The list just keeps growing as I remember or learn more items that either were announced or weren't talked about in the keynote and stuff. It's just incredible how much stuff and content there is this year, not just in, not just features for the different operating systems, but different APIs and frameworks that as developers we can use. So if you had to pick one out of all the announcements made, which one would be your favorite? Oh, I mean, you know, I think every developer will probably agree that SwiftUI is huge. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be, I mean, I think that that had the most applause framework-wise, but then also every session for SwiftUI that I've gone to has been packed. The first session for SwiftUI uh, of the conference, every single chair was filled and there were just rows of people sitting down on the ground on either side of the stage. Like it was completely packed. There was. I, I would imagine that every single developer at the conference was there at that session. The most packed session I've ever seen in my experience, limited experience. Yeah, I think it was a super packed uh, keynote and SwiftUI is amazing. I'm excited about the vision that Apple presented for its devices and kind of how everything goes together. Um, you know, the Mac was kind of being left out a little bit. iPad was kind of riding on the same horse with, with iOS and the iPhone. And with, with the Project Catalyst, with the iPad OS, with Watch getting like independent apps, kind of feels like every device has its correct space and they still all work together. They kind of converge. And you really see what, with the vision that Apple has of bringing all of these together. And obviously I'm excited about using them together, that Apple really knows what its market is and how we can, can really get this ecosystem working together. Uh, the privacy stuff was pretty cool along the same lines, like Apple taking kind of hold of the privacy space with the Apple sign-in and kind of blocking, you know, the other companies from what they're doing. So I was excited about that. SwiftUI I thought was amazing. I can't wait to use it. I've tried 
similar things in the past with uh, third-party frameworks, and I, I would love to use it. The, I, w I was a little disappointed with that. I, c I could only start using it, you know, maybe next year because we have yeah. so many users in, in iOS. It requires so, iOS 13. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm going to be spending a lot of time learning it. So the minute I can, I'd say maybe in a year, I can move code, like most of my code to that, I would be, and definitely if I start something new, I'll try to do it in, in SwiftUI. Yeah, you can definitely try it and send, a, send us a test flight link. Oh, of course. <laughs> we can always do that in the beta. <laughs> It feels like SwiftUI also, I've, I've just dabbled in it a little bit, but it feels like it's still early on and still has uh, a while until it's settled down and we can really get in and get in and understand how we should correctly be using the, the framework. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Swift, I jumped into it, I think, on Swift 3, and mm -hmm. I would do everything 100% Swift, but these technologies take some time to, to kind of to mature. Down, to mature, exactly, yeah. yeah. So it'll take it'll take a while, but it's it's amazing that that's that's our future. It's exciting to be part of this ecosystem. Yeah. Did you face any issues while you were trying SwiftUI on your personal Mac? I haven't tried it yet. Oh, I've, you haven't. I've been this week has been uh, all about labs for me. Just okay. talking to Apple engineers. I haven't even opened my laptop so far. So. All right. Yeah, I've, I've dabbled a little bit in it. And first of all, like when when I was first seeing Swift in the sessions I or SwiftUI, and I, when I attended the sessions, it was just breaking my brain because. When I think of iOS development, my mind is so like it's so tightly coupled with UIKit. And so seeing this new way to make a list, like first of all, it was beautiful, just like how few lines of code there were, but also it was just so hard to wrap my mind around like, okay, there's this whole new, there's all these new concepts around creating user interfaces in, in iOS. And it took, it's taking me, it's taken me a while to, unbreak my my brain and learn these new things and i've just barely dabbled in it but it's it's interesting to to look into and i'm there's stuff i don't know how to do yet like how do you is there a way to make a collection view i haven't really found a good answer to that we know that there's a way to make a list and you can make um h stacks and v stacks to kind of uh get some of the functionality of a collection view but for making more complex collection view layouts that we've grown accustomed to or that we've seen recently I'm not sure if that's possible yet. Maybe it will be in the future. Yeah, yeah. I also tried uh, just following up the tutorials on SwiftUI, and they're pretty interesting. But yeah, w when I was doing the uh, SwiftUI Essential session, I was trying to do it alongside. Other oh than yeah, the, that'd be hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, w I was able to do most of it because there's not much to write. Right. Like the code is very simple, but uh, they do drop in some structs and uh, like some models, like some model files they already have. So I just make a fake model. I don't care about the properties, but I was able to make the uh, table view and uh, I was surprised to see the interaction so quickly and everything is working. Deletion is working. So that was really nice. But um, I f do face certain challenges, like certain times the preview is not working or like it's slow down. So I, I was wondering if they're using, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're using some different version of it, like the export oh, yeah. itself. They, so. they always are using uh, yeah. a few builds ahead. Yes. I haven't, so if you want to use previews, you have to update to Mac OS 10.15, which right. I haven't done yet, but I have Xcode 11. And if you kind of want to kind of cheat and get something like a preview, you can actually kind of get that functionality in Playgrounds if you want to mess around mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I did update the Mac OS first because mm -hmm. I knew that I need the previews to right. work too. For that so one, that is interesting. one thing that just real quick that i was surprised about is swift ui isn't just a wrapper for ui kit or or app kit when you insert a text item into a view 
it doesn't just draw a UI label on iOS. If you actually go and inspect it, it's actually a CA layer that is rendering all that text, it's, which surprised me. I thought that it would have just been a, a UI label. Yeah. Yeah, for example, like in React Native, the code actually converts to the native UI view or some right. some kind of native component, right? But yeah. here you just said that, no, it's not. Like, it's even better for us. Yeah, to in some cases, it will actually uh, display out uh, some type of UI kit or app kit if you're on the Mac. But I think that they have that flexibility to where if they have already made a unique uh, UI structure for it, they can do that, such as this special unique logic that they've done with the CA layer for text, or they can default to um, a collection view because you can have interoperability of UI kit and uh, Swift UI. Right. Uh, the other thing I was really excited about is everything they're doing with machine learning and AR kit. Yeah. And you know, you saw it in the keynote, like with the Photos app, what they're doing with uh, the, like the different uh, month and day and year views. And as someone who's developing photo and video apps, it really feels like Apple is is really looking at this space very seriously. Uh, the AR stuff is amazing. It, it feels like they they definitely have a vision for that as well. We're not we're not we don't have the full picture for that yet, but the tools are amazing. So I can't wait to see what we can do with it. Hey, that Minecraft demo was incredible. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the the person occlusion and just. It just seemed unreal. It was amazing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't wait to try that and kind of blend it in with my video and video apps and see yeah. how that works, yeah. So Aaron, did you try any new, new stuff? Um, I didn't try Swift UI yet, attending app, uh, labs, and section. I have updated to the beta uh, on my Mac OS, and um, it seems quite not that bad. And <laughs> yeah, but that I didn't have that much time to try the new stuff yet yeah i've been so busy as well it's been yeah. hard for me to actually like sit down and look into stuff only just this morning i was able to dabble a little bit in swift ui yeah yeah there's so many things going on every mm. single hour you have something you have to choose what to do so i'm really glad you guys are actually here to talk about stuff so yeah and uh, now let's go ahead and talk about your favorite session till oh now. boy all right, you want me to go first? Yes. Okay, so uh, of course I was interested in SwiftUI, but um, my favorite session is actually two parts, and they're really, they're tight, they're very related. Um, one was the updates to, should I stop talking for that? Okay, I'll wait for that to go by. <laughs> Uh, the first session had to deal with the changes to UI collection view, and then the second, which is uh, directly related to that is the changes in data source. I work with UI collection views a lot, um, and I also have a lot of issues with UI collection views, but they're also very, very powerful. And with UI collection views, they added uh, a new UI collection view uh, layout. So before we had the flow layout, and you can define your own layouts and everything. But what was really cool about this session with the new layout is that Basically, if you think of the App Store right now, you have this one scrollable view with a separate horizontal, horizontal scrollable view. So it's a one collection view with sub-collection views in it. You've got one on the top that's a carousel, and then you've got other ones with that's a carousel with little apps and stuff. And right now in iOS 12, that App Store is nested collection views. With iOS 13, with this new collection view layout, which they've created, it's actually one collection view. 
So you can have one collection view with multiple sections that are each, each section can be independently designed and have independent functionality. And the way that they made it was very clever. So there's just, it's a bunch of uh, net nested components. So you start with an item, like what is an item? That is your cell. And then you say, this item belongs to this group. And then this group belongs to this section. And when you break it up into those components, you can easily have control over what happens for this type of group or what happens in this type of section. What about if it's only your window is only 800 points wide compared to 1,000 and so on. And then to go along with that, what was uh, even cooler was what they've done to data source. So for UI table view and UI collection view, gone are the days of index path. Like you will never have to use an index path again, except for four in a few situations. So you don't have to worry about that and you don't have to worry about you know sections and everything. So you won't get uh, out of bounds and you won't get, uh, there was zero sections and now there's one section. So we're gonna crash right now. So you won't get run into that anymore. Instead, they're using uh, the concept of snapshots. And basically, you, whenever you want to make a change, you grab a snapshot, make your changes to that, and then their diffing engine will then just go and auto-update everything. So for mm. all your deletes and inserts and reorders, and it just magically happens. And it's really cool. The, the whole session was amazing, and they had a great demo app to kind of illustrate it. One of the... One of the parts of the demo app, they had a view with hundreds of little uh, collection view cells on it. They're all bunched up together and each one was a color and they just pushed sort and then they all sorted to be in rainbow order. And it was it was very mm -hmm. impressive and fun to look at. So I, I highly recommend those two sessions. I, I'm not exactly sure what they're called, but it was one was on data source and one was on the updates to collection view. Yeah, yeah. I didn't attend that one uh, about the collection view, but it sounds really amazing. I'm pretty good. I'm really hyped about that. And what about you, Yaron? What's your favorite? So I haven't been able to see that many sessions. Uh, there have been a lot of labs and things like that. But my favorite one was called What's New in iOS and macOS Design? Uh, it was an hour-long session. I think it kind of even went over that. It was like 5 to 6 p.m. and it was even I really longer. wanted to go to that one. It was good. It was a really deep dive into all of the changes that they've made in the actual OSs this year in terms of design. Uh, so, first of all, dark mode, which is super cool. I can't wait to have that on my phone. And they kind of describe the, like, some of the logic behind it and exactly how the UI is built right now, how the different backgrounds work, how the different text colors. And it was, uh, it was good for designers as well as developers, anyone who's in the ecosystem really understanding it. Uh, modal view controllers have become something completely different where they kind of, you know, they, they, they're like a card that pops over the, the UI. I'm super happy about that. Yeah, and he, you know, when he explains it, it makes super sense. You still want to stay in the original context, but you want to have this, uh, this information presented in front of you. Uh, so half of it was about iOS with those kinds of things. And then the second one was about macOS and Project Headless. And how do you bring an iPad app to that? And how, what are the design considerations for that? And we have an iPad app that we're, we definitely would like to bring to Mac. We're definitely excited about it. It's a video editor, so it could be, could be a great fit for that. Uh, and really, they went through about 10 different points of, you know, color, design, style, menus, and just how do you bring the design from iOS to macOS. And it was, it was just great. Everything was super interesting. And for a developer who's not, who doesn't have that much expertise in design, it was very interesting to see how the different considerations they had and how, the, how they made all these decisions. And I just, yeah, I just want to use it. I can't wait to have uh, iOS 13 as my day-to-day -day device. It's, 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 it's they, amazing. 
did they talk about some of the new the newly designed elements of iOS? So for example, I've noticed that in table views, for example, you can have these rounded table view cards almost. And then I love the new segmented picker and stuff. Did they talk about any of those new details? They did talk about the segmented picker. Uh-huh. It looks great. They talked about like the um, I'm not sure what it's called, but where you have a, like a, a little preview and some actions under it. I've that seen are, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What used to be peak and pop, it's kind of different now. Yeah, right? it looks, yeah. looks much better. Uh, yeah, so it's just there's so many things. Definitely recommend watching that. Uh, it was good. And the other one is I liked where I just saw a lot of demos around AR kit and AR and vision. Uh, it was two or three sessions that I saw would just like really take you through building an app um, with like, for example, there was an app today where you would roll some uh, demo today where you would roll some dice and it would kind of analyze them and, and had a, a virtual reality game, a, a, a AR game that kind of used the dice result to automatically play out in augmented reality. Oh, it that's cool. Great. That's awesome. I love those sessions where they're actually building something live yeah. on stage and you can really see what you can do with those technologies. So that was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the Mac OS itself, I, did, I attended the Swift Essentials. Did anyone else attend here? Okay. No. So that included some part of this uh, that you most mentioned, the Mac OS mm. integration, uh, like delivery to the Mac OS. And that was pretty interesting to me because I have never developed a Mac OS app. I just developed like one simple, uh, you can say kind of a tool just to like, there was some URL encoding stuff involved. There were a lot of uh, things happening. So what I did was just make a quick Mac OS app to help me do that, just to be able to put something and then, you know, get some output. So yeah, I mean, in terms of, shipping your own iOS app to the whole macOS app. That is something really I'm looking forward to. And they showed in the essential stuff that you can actually use the pickers, like you said, but it would reflect as a drop-down in That's the macOS. That's good. And you can easily choose, make it a, a what's that called? The single selection mm. uh, thing. So it's quite simple to do that now. And you, all you have to do is like just change the style. Yeah. And you don't even have to do the delegates, data source, anything. You don't have to worry about any of that. So that's really something amazing for sure. And what about you, Aaron? What's your favorite session? Um, my favorite section is uh, Swift Playground Free. Yeah. Uh, so because winning a scholarship requires a Swift Playground. <laughs> so like uh, like in earlier May, uh, Apple just announced Swift Playground Free. So it's like the UI design is quite dis- different. Like they changed the color to blue instead of uh, orange and um so uh so and i, I didn't notice that uh, there's like user module in the ipad so in the play Swift playground app so uh usually when i doing the Swift playground uh, book so i need to uh do it on the mac xcode and airdrop it to my ipad but now uh in Swift playground free we can just edit it on iPad. So that is a great features and I didn't realize that when before this action. Yeah. Nice. Do, do you guys use Playground often? I How about you, Austin? So I don't use it as much as I used to. When I was first learning Swift, I would do it a lot. And then usually when I'm trying to just figure out uh, little things, I'll, I'll turn to Swift Playgrounds. Like for example, for Swift UI, I, I I've just been using Playground so far. I haven't been making uh, full projects or anything. And the more I use it, the more I've kind of gotten comfortable with it of figuring out how to uh, render correctly in SwiftUI because it 
it was obtuse to me at first and stuff, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. And actually, Swift UI for uh, macOS has been updated to where it has uh, Swift UI. Sorry, Playgrounds has been updated for macOS to where it has support for uh, Swift UI previews. If you have Catalina, okay. which I haven't done yet. So. <laughs> yeah, and how about you? Yeah, um, I have a nine-year-old nephew, so I've been teaching him coding uh, with Swift. So actually, we use we mainly use the Swift Playgrounds app for iPad, which uh -huh. kind of has this uh, process for learning uh, to code, and he loves it. Uh, he's, he also speaks Hebrew, so he's learning coding and English kind of at the same time. That's he's, awesome. He's doing it really well. I'm, I'm pretty amazed. He's, uh, he's very smart. And sometimes we will fall back on the on the actual Playgrounds app to to try some things and to and to show him some stuff. But nice. uh, other than that, I don't use it unfortunately for day to day development because we have our like um image processing pipeline, which would be really hard to bring to the playground environment. Yeah. We use like the cameras and, and audio, and that would be hard to use. Right. But I, I always open to trying new things with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also just use playgrounds either to learn something, like if I'm trying some new Swift yeah. uh, basic syntax thing or something, or some new concept to just learn. But actually, when I start coding or doing like, uh, I'm amazed by what the scholars have done with playgrounds till now. I mean, every time I meet a scholar, I say, okay, this is amazing. You can do that in playground? Okay, I didn't know that. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're really pushing the, the boundaries of what playgrounds can do. Yeah. It's surprising. Yeah. 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 And it literally makes sense being from a school and <laughs> in a playground. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good so that's pretty cool. Oh, so actually, you have to use for the scholarship. You have to use the playgrounds to, to yeah, apply. Yeah, we, we oh, need to submit a playgrounds oh, uh, cool. uh, uh, project. Like, uh, there's two kind of playground. One is playground book, and the Swift playground on iPad, or just the playground on the Mac. Xcode. Yeah. Nice. So I have made a playground book that for education purpose. So mainly, I think Apple designed the Swift playground is like teaching others coding. So so as an education purpose, maybe. So, yeah. I've been really impressed with the, the book format of yeah. Playgrounds because it's got, it, I mean, it is what it sounds like. It is a book as in it has instructive documentation on what is happening in the code, but then it also tells you how to manipulate the code, which you can then see the live result of in the pane, in the pane right next to you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So since we are all from different countries, why don't we talk about our countries a little in terms of uh, developers in your own country? Uh, so maybe you can start, Kieran, uh, in terms of Hong Kong, or have you been to mainland China? And what do you think of uh, you know, the developers there? What kind of differences you notice in the developers over here in Bay Area and in your home country and elsewhere? Okay, so uh, I think, in, uh, yeah, I'm from Hong Kong. So the environment in Hong Kong is like, um, there's different startups company like for application designing apps yeah and but I don't think that it's in Hong Kong is a great environment for that because um, first maybe it's not that high salary <laughs> yeah and like here the, those software engineers or um, making apps is very high salary and um, so let's see um, the, um, but there's quite a lot of people like know how to design coding and actually in Hong Kong uh, the government like promoting coding in 
primary school and uh, yeah, secondary school in yeah. So yeah, that's not that bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always because I've been working in China for three years now. So I'm fr- originally from New Delhi, India. I worked in Chandigarh, which is in the northern part of the country. And what I've learned is that, okay, I started my career as actually um, an intern with uh, Infosys, which is a service-based company. And then we, the first app I ever developed was actually a Windows Phone app. And, <laughs> I, remember, and I, I remember doing the tiles and everything. And yeah. then uh, when I first came to the Chandigarh Development Center, that is when I learned, okay, this is something called Xcode. Okay, this Objective-C. Oh, you can just drag and drop to make an outlet. That's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's my first memory of it. And then I got into more uh, stuff like Codata and all that. So and then I got a little serious about that. And then I just didn't want to give that up. In fact, I left my first company just for that, just because I wanted to do more iOS projects. And then I just like moved on to smaller and smaller companies now i'm with the startup just 25 people so yeah i love this environment where i can experiment with stuff come to this conference like this so how is the startup scene in in china yeah so this startup the one i'm working for is basically we have two uh see like two main people who are leading it so Mm -hmm. one is from us and one is from china so we have a combination of both but I have I don't know about the local Chinese startups, but look, I I can talk a bit about the local Chinese companies because I have seen that of course in India and China, what I've noticed is real hard work, especially in terms of overtime. Like right. there's a lot of overtime involved all the time, and uh, in terms of again implementation and stuff, I haven't seen in China per se uh, people using Swift a lot. There are still a lot of developers using Objective-C or, uh, in fact, many of the Chinese apps are using React Native. Um, and I think I've shown uh, some of the apps to you guys, I, I think at least to you, Austin, mm-hmm. that there are certain apps which don't have any of the native interactions, like right. what we have been watching in the sessions that you just add it and it will have a lot of default animations and uh, UX kind of feels like if you tap a cell in a table view you're supposed to see some kind of selection right every tap has to have some kind of uh, effect but there are a lot of apps in China which don't have those it's all looks like a big page with a lot of images a lot of tapping areas and you tap it but people are fine with it do so. you do you think that and the the lack of or the lack of prevalence of Swift is due to uh, documentation not being available in those languages or for other reasons entirely? Yes, that's a very good point. Actually, I do feel that uh, documentation should would be a problem because uh, most of the Chinese developers are actually learning from books written in Mandarin. And me- of course, books takes time, right? So right. The, ones, the things that we are learning here about Swift UI might not be in a book for quite a while, especially in Mandarin, right? It might be in English, but... So by the time it reaches them, it's already like three years down the road or something. Yeah, I mean, even just issuing books, like just websites. So like if I need to learn something, I look on Stack Overflow or I go to um, a website like, um, I just forgot his name. Uh, You know, there's a lot of great Swift websites. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, I think for Chinese developers, what I have learned, maybe Aaron can... Uh, put more light on that but what I feel is that many Chinese developers go to Chinese websites right okay which are completely different from Stack Overflow but they do have tutorials Mm. okay you can learn a lot of things there 
there are of course a lot of developers coming here in the conference itself right you must have met seen a lot of chinese developers here yep. so there are people taking all this to china but it's just that the propagation the timing is uh, much longer than you would expect so right. there are a lot of developers who are still working on old technologies but at the same time if you look at any of those chinese apps alipay wechat and the big big giants there they are they are having a lot more features than you can expect and their people are using those features the more important thing i would say is how many people are using the customer base is so huge that i can't even imagine it if for my app or like some other apps that i've been using yeah what do you think uh, here on about the chinese market I don't know the Chinese market at all, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel is a big startup nation. If, you, if you've heard the term, we have a ton of startups, uh, but we mainly look into the, the Western market. Uh, our apps specifically have had a lot of success with Russia, Brazil, kind of these second world countries, up and coming countries. Uh, we haven't been able to, to influence into China at all. I'm not sure if it's, we, our apps are localized. Uh, we're, I'm not sure if it's just like a cultural fit or maybe and maybe they're just not uh people are not finding them but it's definitely a market we'd love to do to to look into well i can tell you for sure if you localize them you would definitely need localization but if you do you will definitely have a lot of customers there because chinese people do like editing videos a lot especially yeah. the few second 10 second clip and because uh, in wechat itself when you post it into your moments which is like a wall facebook wall there's a limit you cannot make a video more than 15 seconds mm. okay so you uh, you have to have such kind of apps which can directly work for you you use the app record it and directly share in your moments so there are a lot of chinese apps doing similar things that you are doing In fact, I just met someone who's doing quite a similar thing, applying filters and stuff. But you can of course, I believe you might be taking it to the next level and then if you make it available in China, do the kind of marketing that you need. I'm pretty sure you'll get a lot of people using that. Yeah, it's all localized, but I guess the marketing channels are a little different. Uh, yes. We haven't we haven't figured it out yet, but it's yeah. definitely an amazing market to to target. Right. We'd love to we'd love to be there. Yeah. Right. And about the documentation that Austin mentioned, I in fact WeChat because you can put your own solution on WeChat. I mean, you can have your own iOS app, but you can also make a WeChat mini program uh just to support your uh users who were using WeChat. Might not have your app, but they can do everything in the WeChat itself. So we were talking yesterday that um WeChat is basically its own operating system in China. People <laughs> use WeChat more than they use the rest of the phone whether it be iOS or Android. Everything they do happens in WeChat. Yes, because that's because there's a lot of mini programs and everything that you can think of most of the popular apps already have a mini program. So mini program is nothing but a kind of a wrapper around a different interface a different way it has been developed uh there's a different language involved if you want to make a mini program uh, i i even tried to learn that but the problem is that first of all you need a chinese id to become a developer in that particular platform and then you also have to learn mandarin to read the documentation because the translations are not good enough to uh, for us to try that well there we go we have bad documentation now we we can't do it Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, We have an excuse. <laughs> so actually uh in in China they they have um changed uh, they have documentation have in Mandarin, in Mandarin in Chinese. Right. Yeah. And uh on Sunday I met the 
multiple developer relations from China, mm-hmm. and then they said, uh, like those WWDC section keynote, they have like Chinese subtitle and uh, have voiceover. So I think. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so there's some support for Chinese developer. Right, that's interesting. So why do you think um, most companies are still using React Native or Objective C? Many many companies in China have not moved to Swift. What's your guess? What's your what will be? I think maybe because, um, like, they are la- lazy, or, <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, they are not to understand what Swift is like. Yeah, or I, yeah. I mean, I have an answer for for American companies why they use, still use React Native instead of making native apps, and that's just because it's cheaper and easier for them. Because in in the United States, at least. Every company needs um, an IT department, but for a lot of companies, an IT department just means someone who manages an, an email server and a couple computers for the company. An IT department doesn't always mean uh, developers to make a website or even to make an iOS app and a native app. And so a lot of times, uh, either they will have their small development uh, shop inside the company um, learn something that can be used in the widest number of devices. So they look to technologies like React Native. Or uh, what also happens is not everyone, all these small companies, they're not all going to have um, native shops. They're not all going to have iOS or Android shops. And so they will look to third-party companies that offer services for creating iOS applications or, or Android applications. And sometimes it just comes down to they want something quick and they want something on both platforms and they want something cheap. And while that might not be the best experience, it, it's a suitable experience. And so that's why, that, that's why they do it in the United States, at least. And for Swift, I think the answer is if anyone was going to start a new app today, I think 99% they'll do it with Swift. But there's a lot of legacy code in yeah. Objective-C, these huge apps that are built with Objective-C. And you can either spend you know, a few months creating new features or implementing the new stuff from uh, from WWDC, or you can convert, you know, your old your old Objective-C code to Swift, and that's... That's see, a big effort to big convert effort. everything. And there's, you're, you're not, the app's gonna be the same, or maybe you'll and introduce you intr- a few bugs on the yeah, way, so... you will gonna, likely introduce bugs when you convert. Yeah. Have, so, you guys, have you guys tried any automated tools to convert? There have been some tools around Oh, I would not. I would not trust that. <laughs> <laughs> I've used the ones when just when the new Swift version is. Oh yeah, when it updates from an old version of Swift to a new version of Swift. And it can take. Yeah. It can take when, when there's a, when there's a lot of changes. I think from three to four or for two to three, it could take a few hours going over everything oh, wow, and yeah. making sure that it's good. But those are amazing tools. But I would know. I would never try it from Objective C. A third really, party Objective C to Swift. Yeah, yeah. You need I'd to be very wary. You need to re-engineer the app, kind of think about things. Right. And, and and build it in a swift way, not just like go line by line and, right. and read yeah. and copy copy it in Swift. Right, right. I think even just yesterday Austin mentioned gave his, gave a very good example of how he could think of a solution because of the Swift, right? The protocol thing. Right, right, right. So if protocols are such a, a nice little unique feature to where um, if you had a function that had as a parameter uh, a dictionary and that dictionary got sent off to a service but that service was actually kind of brittle and it would only work with values in that dictionary being like ints or strings or arrays of strings you could have some validation logic 
uh, on in your function, but a much simpler, swift way to do that would be just to extend the int class and extend string and just make them um, make them conform to a new protocol you define, which would be whatever. So if they conform to whatever, then your new your function can be except uh, dictionaries of type any colon whatever and then it'll work with just those types of values that you want. And that's a very, very swift, nice, easy, slim, simple solution than writing a whole bunch of validation code to make sure that you only get ints and only strings and only arrays of strings. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think we'll, we were going to see the same thing with SwiftUI where yeah. in a few years there's going to be a lot more stuff for SwiftUI and we'll, we'll ask ourselves why aren't companies adopting this and it's, again, they're going to have to re-engineer a lot of the Swift stuff, kind of convert it, kind of change it and it's, it's going to, so new apps Maybe next year we'll, we'll, we'll be Swift UI, but then the old one's going to take some time. Yeah, I'm so glad there's the interoperability of Swift UI and UI Kit, where you can have one call the other and one embed the other, and it's going to make uh, it's going to make bringing Swift UI into your app a whole lot easier. You don't have to do it all at once if you already have an app that's pre-existing. Yeah. Exactly. With Swift, the first thing I did was my objective not convert my Objective C apps, but just add Swift code to them. And then the first time I started a new project, it was Swift. So we'll probably do the same thing with, uh, with Swift UI. Yeah, that's a good plan to go ahead because at least you will have something first and uh, to play around with. And if it doesn't work, you can always fall back to the, what you were doing. <laughs> and I think another thing that they mentioned in Essentials again was that uh, in Swift UI, the view itself is actually struct, right? So they explained why it is a struct and how, it, how easy it is for them to just use a protocol which just gives you one variable called body, and that's it. You don't have to worry about rest of the properties. Like in UI view, you had to inherit from UI view, and you had to take care of all the properties because in class, when you inherit, you get also inherit all those properties with it. So you can have so much extra stuff which you don't really need, and uh, so it's quite interesting. Also, the container point of part of it, like every view is a container, and then you make another container inside it. So like first time you might have seen the button they created they put a text inside it so i was like okay this is interesting you put text inside the button okay because usually we set a property of the button right, right. but yeah. now it's like button itself is a container and then inside that you can put a text but the interesting part is now you can put an image inside it so that uh, the button itself can have an image in the top and the title on the bottom, the text on the bottom. So. Yeah, that's nice. It's always been like a weird little dance when you want to have a button with an image and you want the image to be a certain size yeah. and you want the the touch target to be different and the button size to be different and everything. It's, you end up having like two buttons or like an image view and a button that are layered on top of each other. It's always been weird, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and the, the layered thing that you mentioned that Z-Stack solves most of the problems there. Like if you want to put something on top of each... Uh, other the Z stack is like the perfect solution I can think of right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to the Swift UI future. It's going to be yeah. good. Yeah. All right. And what do you guys think of Apple Sign In? Let's start with you, Yaron. Okay. Um, like uh, the guidelines that um, like if there's a third party signing like Facebook or Google, they uh, they must adding to sign signing in with Apple. But um, I think that uh, and the signing for Apple generates a random email and things that's like uh, it's like helping the customer to do the 
the privacy, but it's not that helping developer, maybe. Yeah, how about you guys? Um, I'm crazy about it, both as a user and developer. I'm super excited about it. As a user, I don't want to be using Facebook or Google for login, and I definitely do appreciate like these simple sign-on solutions. And I'm trusting Apple with everything. You know, all my photos are there. My entire life is there. So I'm definitely signing. I'm going to be... Uh, Your life is in their hands yeah. now. So sign on. I'm, I would love to work with them. And as a developer, uh, I, I would not want to add, like, these Facebook solutions. They're, they're great. They provide a, a lot of benefits. But I'm, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable adding them to the app. And with Apple, I do feel that it's a great way to kind of... Uh, we were just talking just the one night before that how we would like to have kind of an, a simple e a solution to, to to be in touch with users through email, and this this is perfect for us. We we it's very you know it's very unobtrusive. It's very simple. It's private, and so we're definitely going to be adopting that. So very excited about it. It's great. What about you, Austin? Yeah, as a user, I'm very excited about just the ease of use of creating an account, and because I've never. Years now, I've never wanted to touch the the Google, sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook buttons. And as a developer, I find it personally very interesting. And if I need uh, an account, if I need accounts for apps that I make personally, I would definitely use that. Because in the past, I've considered using not those buttons because I wanted to stay away from those, but uh, Firebase. But even Firebase kind of made me feel a little bit icky for other reasons and stuff. And so uh, this seems like a very nice, simple solution for that. What I have found interesting is that Apple has stated that all apps come this fall, I think, that use sign-in with Google or sign-in with Facebook must implement sign-in with Apple, which I thought that that was uh, very interesting and kind of strong-arming their, their, this new feature into, into the App Store. But, I mean, it's definitely a, a bonus for us and it's a bonus for privacy conscious developers as well i can see some companies not being happy about that though <laughs> yeah that's gonna happen always uh for me in china for specifically i initially tried facebook and google login because of the requirements that we had but again then in china people don't have facebook and google so what they have to do is figure out wechat sdk to do allow wechat login because that's the most popular one there but the thing is if you put so many options in your app like of course you can configure it as for the location but it's not really simple to do that and also in terms of analytics you have to manage and then all the sign-ins and tokens if you have to do certain changes you will have to do it three different places so i think that also simplifies us in terms of implementation as well other than the user's simplicity so and the best part for us would be the face id thing right like you don't really have to worry about user entering data and and if you guys like let's just cover the other part of it like this is just about sign in but there's also the forms involved like you have to fill long forms like first name last name email id so typing those things in has been like uh, kind of my part of my internship a few years ago that I had to like sign up on all these forums and then make some posts and stuff. So I still remember how frustrating could have, it could be for a normal user, especially like who, uh, for old people who takes time to type. And now we have something as simple as Face ID and your single checkbox selection, what information you want to give, what information yeah, you want to keep great. it to yourself. I think that's going to be a big change for us as well. 
I'm glad that they're also not just limiting it to apps, they're bringing it to the web as well. Right. Otherwise, it would be an incomplete experience and it, yes. it wouldn't be a good solution. I'm glad that they went the whole way and brought it to the web as now well. I'm wondering how exactly we're going to implement this to make it similar on Android. I mean, are you going to use a web solution to put the Apple sign-in button there? Or? Yeah. It's a good question. I'm not sure they're going to have to. Mm -hmm. uh, they might just not allow that over there, mm -hmm. uh, but the web would be probably an interesting approach to try. Not sure if it's supported, but that would that would be the way to do it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they don't have access to something like a keychain, so probably you'll have to, again, put in your username and password for Apple or something, and then you you can probably move forward. Something else you guys want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, other than the actual conference, everything that's going around in San Jose, what has been your favorite part so far? Just about this week, uh, all the developers from all around the world coming together. What have you enjoyed most uh, other than the, the actual conference? For me, it's seeing all the podcasters that I love, all the internet people that I like and follow. I, I love podcasts. I listen to a lot. And then just about all of the... The shows I listen to, or a lot of them are represented here, and it's so cool just walking down the street and like saying, oh, that's Mike Curley, or oh, that's that's Marco Arman over there. And going and seeing their live shows has been great. And then also, apart from that, just meeting all these unique people that I don't have the chance to meet uh, in my day-to-day. -day. For example, uh, each one of you. I <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it for me. Yeah, that's. I would say, yeah, that's like the top on my list as well, meeting new people and uh, also learning about the apps that you guys are making like i just found this your know, awesome video editing app by the way guys you can always download disco videos on app store it's really cool he yeah. just showed it to me before this yeah <laughs> yeah that is really awesome especially the, you have the wwdc uh, animations there so that was the favorite part so yeah i mean i really like meeting developers and in fact you never know if even if you walk into a hall uh, you never know who you're going to sit next to we just say hi and then talk talking with them and then that's how I met Yaron and then if you go to a podcast recording you meet people outside the exit that's how I met Austin and then you guys you can connect with people online on some WeChat groups that's how I met Aaron. so yeah that's there's different ways of connecting people here and there's so many of us here with the common objective the best thing is like all of us have something very common that brings us together so fast right like like in few seconds we are ready to go okay this is like we didn't even discuss anything for this podcast we just came in here and we started talking but i think we have some good content here we talked about a lot of stuff and that's what's the beauty is of this conference yeah how about you aaron um maybe um uh the macro pro studio mm -hmm. Yep, oh, so that's so. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Super awesome. Uh, uh, there's like lots of different demos there, uh, the portrait, uh, music, videos, and some arts. Yeah, so they demonstrate very well. So how about you guys? How do you guys feel about it? I think it's an amazing computer. It's like the you know the Rolls Royce of computers. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very good description. <laughs> yeah. And I love to see a Rolls Royce in the street, and I love people that enjoy it. But I'm, I'm not obviously not going to be able to afford it. But uh, <laughs> if uh, you know, if, uh, I, I'm really glad that Apple is doing it for the people who um, who are going to be using it. And I've talked to some people around here, and actually, it seems that it's it's not that expensive for pros. People who work on pro video. 
that's actually how much the computers cost for like you know people working at Pixar. So yeah, I think they they made a great move. Uh, plus, people like you know John Syracuse, who's buying a computer every ten years, he can he can afford it. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm waiting for the next MacBook Pro, like the 16 inch oh, yeah. rumored one. Yeah. I, I have my eyes set on that because I still own one of the older ones, and I'm waiting for the the next generation. But it looks great, and um, yeah, it's uh, I haven't I haven't gone over to see it. But did you, did you, oh, you didn't attend that, and you attended the Pro Studio? No, I didn't get to go over there. But yeah, I I completely agree with everything you said. Yeah. Like you know, it's for uh, a certain audience and i'm not part of that audience but yeah it's a cool machine it's like a hypercar it's pretty amazing yeah i thought the same so i didn't initially i didn't think of making an appointment then uh, i just realized okay i'll just try okay i'll just sign up for it and then see if i'm free at the time i'll go there and then i went there and it was totally different from my expectations it was not just, i was assuming that it would just be lying on this table and you just look at it take pictures and that's it but it was so much different like you said there were four different studios like for image processing video processing audio processing and the uh, uh, ar stuff so you could see the whole team moving from step so there were four people step one two three four like a photographer doing the live studio photo shoot in a with a green screen yeah. then you can see the next part editing the photo then putting into a um, normal imac to do the basic stuff then putting into the mac pro to do what you guys have been talking about and i really like the audio part as well because they were playing the trailer not yeah. trailer i'm not sure uh, but some part of the yeah. movie about what what's the how movie how to train the dragon how to train your dragon yeah. they, it ha they showed us all those tracks how they are uh, connecting all those tracks and why exactly those people need those because if initially they were trying to connect different macbook uh mac pros together the old ones and then they were trying to play all these things, different tracks, but now they can just use one computer. That solves a big problem. And for me, the favorite part would be the AR studio because uh, they are gonna promote this Mac Pro and then finally they're gonna also promote the USD format, which is gonna make things easier for us because there are more people gonna provide USD format for things which we want to add into our apps. So right now, if you want any custom object, it's not easy to find that kind of model or that USD file for that specific object, unless it is very generic. So for more customized objects, you're gonna find more USD files in future. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. And uh, that was my favorite part of visiting the Pro Studio to talk to the developers there, because there were Swift, Swift Strike developers sitting there uh, showing us the code. So that was awesome. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, you convinced me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up. Is it still available? No, it was oh, just on Tuesday. Okay. Sorry. You just have to buy one now. That's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can come next year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, that we keep missing every day, and then we realize, yeah, that we could have done that. But yeah, whatever you do is pretty good. All right. So thank you, everyone, for joining, and I hope you have rest one more day left, so enjoy it to the fullest. Bye-bye.